All right, so we are making our way through Unit 6 of God's Economics. Unit 6 is Jesus' parables about money. So today we're going to take a look at the parable of the rich fool. Okay, not every rich person is so wise and smart. Okay, you can be rich and foolish. This is from Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. But again, we've talked about this before. We're going to take all of these parables in context. It's important to see what is happening when Jesus responds to people with a parable. So the context of this parable is Jesus is speaking to thousands of people. He's speaking about not fearing man. He's speaking against the religious leaders and all of their religious practices. He's speaking to thousands of people. And then someone in the crowd pops up to ask him a question, to ask him for his help. So let's read those verses. This is from Luke chapter 12, uh, starting with verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Okay, so let's pause for a second. Jesus, all right, let's understand who Jesus is. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is the one to whom God has given all authority to judge, right, and to arbitrate the final judgment of all mankind. And Jesus makes that clear in many other passages. He knows that he has been given authority from the Father to judge. So for him to say, who appointed me judge or arbiter between you is kind of like hilarious. Do you see what I'm saying? Jesus is the judge. If anyone can judge the case between this man and his brother, it's Jesus. But did Jesus arbitrate the case between them? Nope, he did not. Now, I know Many of you out there listening all over the nations, you are pastors and your people, they come to you all the time with all sorts of things and they they want you to help them, you know, settle their disputes and all kinds of things like this. And sometimes as ministers, we feel really important when people want us to, you know, mediate and help them sort through their problems. And we think, oh, yes, blessed are the peacemakers for theirs is the kingdom of God. And oh, look at me making peace. That's not how Jesus handled this situation, is it? Nope. He rebuked the man for even asking. He said, watch out, because your heart, even with that question, is full of greed. Full of greed. Life, life, eternal life, life with God, what really matters about life is not your, what you own, your possessions. It's not what it's about. This guy was arguing with his brother about an inheritance. Now, we don't know the background of the rest of the story, but Jesus, he's the same one who was commanding people, drop everything and follow me. It, it really, you know, the, the end of this world is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Nothing in this world, you're not going to take any of it with you. So why are you arguing over earthly things 
Instead, the fact that you're arguing, even if you think that legally you're right and you've been mistreated and blah, 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 right? The fact that you're even arguing shows that your heart is still connected to the things of this world and not the matters of the kingdom of God. Paul said it to the Corinthians in a different way. The Corinthians, they had lawsuits between believers. They were suing one another in a pagan court, a heathen court, bringing the matters before Gentiles, unbelievers, because they couldn't even settle disputes between themselves. And Paul said, why not rather let yourself be wronged? You know, like, don't you understand that you're following the king who died on a cross for you, even though he had done no wrong? He allowed himself to be wronged. He paid your debt that you owe so that you could have eternal life. And now you're arguing over these petty things? Why not rather let yourself be wronged? Have some faith in God that God can look out for you, that God can provide for you. But that's the Corinthian part. So Jesus here is saying, watch out, man, watch out. Your heart is full of greed. You're arguing over these earthly things. You don't get it at all. But this, that's the context. That's the context which rolls right into Jesus telling the parable. So now with that understanding of the context, let's listen to the parable. Luke chapter 12, starting with verse 16. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. I'm sorry, But it sounds to me like your average American retirement plan. All right, forgive me. Moving on to verse 20. But God said to him, fool, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. You know, it just so happens, friends, that I was reading in Ecclesiastes just this morning, and Solomon, as he's writing Ecclesiastes, he's talking about how vain it is to heap up wealth for yourself, you know, and you heap up wealth and then you pass it on to the next generation, and you don't even know yet if they're going to be godly or if they're going to be evil, but they're going to have your money because you're going to be gone. You know, so Jesus, it just is kind of appropriate that that God had me reading that passage this morning, and here we are talking about this parable today. Fool, this night your soul is required of you. That meant this guy, he didn't have another day to live. So he had all these great plans, these great retirement plans. I'm going to build up a big 401k. I'm going to build up a big IRA retirement plan with all the tax benefits. I'm going to have this nice, comfy retirement and maybe a second property or a third and a rental property. And then I'm just going to kick it, kick back, relax, have a nice time enjoying the pleasures of this world. Nice. Because I'm a rock star and I did it. Like, I did it. I, I conquered this Babylon system. Yeah, look at me go. Fool. That's what Jesus had to say. Instead of sharing his abundance with the needy 
instead of giving what he had received from God back to God for God's purposes, for the things that are important to God. Instead, he only considered himself. He only thought about himself. He only thought about his own enjoyment, his own comfort, his own retirement. He did not lay up treasures in heaven. He laid up treasures on earth. And laying up treasure on earth for yourself and your own family, you you can convince yourself that, oh, I'm doing it for my kids. That's still yourself. That's your own flesh. It's selfish and it's worldly. Every pagan does that. What makes you different than an unbeliever when you do that? It fails to demonstrate your thankfulness that everything you have comes from God. It fails to demonstrate your alignment with God and his purposes. No, it actually demonstrates that you're not aligned with God and his purposes. It demonstrates that you're a fool. Generosity towards God means caring about the things that God cares about and giving yourself and your resources and all that you are and all that you have to the kingdom of God and the things that God directs your path to. But let's also look, sometimes it's valuable, we always have to look at the the preceding context, so the context leading up to why Jesus tells a parable, but there's also value in looking at the post-context, so what happens and what Jesus talks about after he has told the parable, because not every parable in the Gospels is given an explanation. Some are, he speaks the parable to the crowd, and then he's with his disciples, and he gives the explanation later, but not all of the parables have that. So it's subject to interpretation, but we can tell from the context leading in and from the context going out, we can gather a lot of information about what Jesus really means in these parables. So the post-context, Jesus goes right into something that would be very familiar to anyone who just came out of Unit 5, because it's the same passage, it's the same thing that he talked about in Matthew 6, 25 through 33. He goes into almost verbatim the same words. Don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will wear or what you will drink. He, you know, don't worry about that stuff. Seek first the kingdom of God and all you need will be added unto you. So he goes in, there's about a paragraph that is almost verbatim Matthew 6, 25 to 33. Okay. So that's the post context. So give to God, lay up your treasure in heaven, be rich towards God, not laying up your treasure on earth. Don't worry about your own life. Don't worry that if you don't have a retirement that God's just going to leave you hanging. That's not who God is. Don't worry that if you give everything you own away or if you continually give everything you have away. I mean, that's something with me, I'm sorry for the tangent, but It's one thing to say, oh, yeah, you know, 13, 14, time flies so fast, and by the time you're listening to this, it might be farther away ago. But anyway, years ago, God told me to give away everything I own and live by faith, and I did so then. But in actual fact, friends, I have given away everything I have multiple times 
multiple times. There have been times when I have been in the nations with nothing, and God has told me to give everything I have, give my very last dollar to the host who was hosting me. And so I did so, having no idea how I was going. I already had my plane ticket to get to the next nation that God was sending me to, but I had no idea how God was going to provide for me as I went. And in this particular case, what happened is I was flying out on a Sunday, and it was Sunday, like, mid-afternoon. And so I spent the night in a a lovely woman's home. She hosted me overnight on a Saturday night, and then she wanted to take me to her church on Sunday morning. But they didn't know I was coming, so I wasn't speaking or anything like that. There wouldn't have been time for me to be the minister and then catch my flight that afternoon. But we're going to church. She wanted to bring me to church. And this was in Africa, okay? This was the middle of Africa. And so I go to the church, and of course, I'm the only white woman in the church, which I'm totally okay with that. I'm not making a a racial statement. I'm just making the statement because I stood out, okay? Like, I I stood out. I was the only—and I am—if you haven't met me yet or you've never seen a picture of me, I'm very white. I'm very pale. I'm very light-colored, okay? Like, I stand out when I'm in Africa, all right? I'm the Mzungu, and I'm totally cool with that. I love Africa, and I love African people. So the the pastor, they go through their Sunday service, and then as is wonderful, gracious African hospitality, they said, well, friends, you may have noticed—hello, you may have noticed we have a guest today. We have a special guest today. And so they they look to me, and they offer me the microphone. Would you please come up and greet the people? Tell us about yourself. And so I got up on the microphone, and I didn't know this was going to happen, but hey, I roll with Jesus. The King of glory is inside of me, and the Holy Spirit can come upon me however and whenever the Holy Spirit decides to. And so the moment I got up on that platform, the Holy Spirit came upon me, and I began to prophesy the word of the Lord. Now, everyone in that room knew that I had never been there before, and I didn't know anyone there except the woman that I had spent the night at her house the night before. So I began to prophesy, and I didn't know I was prophesying to the 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 pastor, the one that the pastor was training up to be the next pastor. He was already raising up someone under him to be the head of the church. I had no idea that that was him. He was sitting in the crowd like anybody else, but the Lord pointed him out to me, and I prophesied over his life exactly what everyone else in the congregation knew. They were shocked. I didn't know what I was saying. Then there were a few other people. I didn't know, but God was speaking through me. It was awesome. It was wonderful, and it went on for, I don't know, about five minutes. God doesn't always have to be long-winded, and I also know, you know, when the Holy Spirit's done, I stop my mouth. When the Holy Spirit's done, I don't make stuff up. I don't need something to say just to make myself look good. Holy Spirit was done, so I said, thank you very much. God bless you. To God be the glory. Hallelujah. And I, I went to pass the microphone back to the pastor. Well, do you know what happened? The pastor, he ran up to that platform. He took me by the arm and he said, no, you are a servant of the Most High God and you will not leave this house before we take an offering for you. Get the buckets. And so they got the buckets and they took an offering. Everyone in the church brought an offering and I left. Left that church amply supplied for the journey that was ahead of me. But I had already obeyed God and given everything I had, everything I had to continue traveling on. And I was gone. This was a trip. I was gone for months. So we have to live a life where we're, we're not about ourselves and hoarding for ourselves, but we're living for God and for the Holy Spirit to obey whatever God tells us at any time. 
laying up treasures in heaven, not for ourselves, giving to those in need, and not making excuses by saying, well, I'm in need. I'm in need. I need it. Stop that. God will take care of you. Okay, so I'm sorry for the tangent, but, you know, like, I'm living this, people. I know that God is real, and you can live it too. There is no difference between me and you. You can, you can live by faith too, and God will provide for you. Seek first his kingdom. He will take care of everything you need. Stop being a fool. Start getting smart in God. Okay, so Jesus in the Luke version, you know, this is where this parable comes from. It's, the, it's only in the Luke um, uh, gospel. So he, he goes into this paragraph about don't worry about your life. Seek first the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. We've covered that. Then he continues and he talks a little bit about what laying up treasure in heaven is all about. All right. So Luke 12, starting with verse 33, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no Thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, quickly, just to clarify, this version, it does say sell your possessions and give to the needy. And we'll talk a little bit later about the rich young ruler. Jesus told him, sell your possessions and give to the poor. For in my case, and depending on what God tells you, you know, God speaks to everybody differently. God did not tell me to sell my possessions and give it to the needy. God told me to give my possessions away. There's a difference because if you sell your possessions, you could still make a profit off of that. Okay, and then you have a choice of what you're going to do with that money. So if you sell your possessions, you've got two steps, sell and then give it to the needy. If you're just giving it away, you've got one step. So maybe with me, God just made it one step, easy breezy. Okay, that's fine. Anyway, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Do you see how we lay up treasure in heaven? Give to the needy. See, God wants people who will be his like his likeness to be like him. Well, how do you be like God? God provides for the needy every day. To be like God, you provide for those who can never repay you. And if you haven't figured this out, you, in comparison to God, you are the needy. You are the needy one when it comes to God. You need God. You need God to provide for you. So as you understand that, you got to turn that right back around and give to someone in need that they need God in you. If Jesus Christ is inside of you, they need the God in you to give to them. This is how we show ourselves to be the children of God. This is how we show ourselves to be aligned with God and his purposes and his heart. Jesus also talks about this in Matthew 6. So all of these... um, All of these explanations, so, you know, Luke 12, Matthew 6, you can read them side by side. It's a lot of the same information from Jesus. It's just said in some different context. But Jesus, you know, when he did his speaking tour, he he told the same things just in different settings, okay? So he's saying the same thing, but he's saying it in a different way, slightly different way, and in a slightly different context. But because we're talking about this parable, I'm trying to pull all of those pieces together. So we're going to take a look. This is Matthew 6. Starting with verse 19, which if you're keeping track, that's before verse 25. So Jesus in the Matthew 6 version, he's talking about this before he's saying, 
um, don't worry about what you will eat or what you will wear. Seek first the kingdom of God. In the Luke version, he's saying this after the don't worry about what you will eat or wear. So, you know, we're just putting all these pieces together to get the full perspective of what Jesus is saying on this issue. So Matthew 6, starting with verse 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, right? Don't be the rich fool. Don't be doing that. Where moth and rust destroy and where the thieves break in and steal. See, that's something else about rich fools. They always need security. They always need protection. They're always after some, like they got some app on their phone to protect all their stuff. Why? Because when you got a lot of stuff laid up on earth, thieves try to break in and steal your stuff. Well, you know what? There's a proverb that says the poor hears no threat. You know, like if you don't have anything for anybody to steal, you're not afraid anybody's going to steal it. All right, I'm diverted. Matthew 6, we're up to verse 20. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. There are no thieves in heaven. Then nobody's going to steal your stuff. God will take good care of it. You give it to God. He'll make sure it goes where it needs to go. Verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Is your heart really with God? Or is your heart with your stuff? Is your heart with your own exaltation, your own comfort, your own luxury? Is your heart with God or is your heart with yourself? But then Jesus says something very interesting, okay? And this, we've got to go back sometimes into the King James Version because sometimes the King James, they really do have it better communicated uh, when you dig into the Greek or the Hebrew than some of the other translations. And I want to honor translations. I try to do that. I'm not discounting. I think different translations are very valuable. And not all translations are great. Some translations, you know, are solid and can really be meditated on. Um, But there are just times when some, you know, translations handle different things differently, and they have theological reasons for, for doing that. Um, and either in also translation reasons for doing that. Sometimes they're trying so hard to be understood in the culture that they um, dilute uh, the original potency of what's being said. So this, um, Jesus, we're up to verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, Now, if you look into what that means in the Greek, the I, I being healthy, is actually the word for single, meaning singly focused, not scattered all over the place, whole, simple, single, whole. The definition is there in your study guide, in which there is nothing complicated or confused. So if your I is simple, single, whole, in which there is nothing complicated or confused, right? We talked before about the soils. If your eye, your heart, is not on rocky soil, there's all these rocks making it complicated. If your heart, your eye, is not, it doesn't have thorns choking it out, making it complicated, okay? God made things simple. A child can understand it. He tells us to become like children. If your eye is healthy, single, whole, simple, not complicated, focused entirely on God, not double-minded, but singly focused on God. If your eye is healthy, 
your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, meaning evil, if your eye is evil, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So if you're focused on the things of this world, you are a fool. You are, your eye is evil. Your eye is evil. Paul to the Ephesians, he said, once at one time, you were darkness. Not you were in the darkness, but you were the darkness, right? If your eye is evil, you are the darkness. Your whole body is full of darkness. And here's where it's dangerous. If you think you're in the light, if you think you're using God to make a profit for yourself, if the light in you is darkness, you're using God and using every manipulative scheme to be double-minded and use God for your own selfish ambition and use God for your own wealth-making, how great is that darkness? You are deceived, friend. You are deceived. You need to repent. You are in darkness. Because Jesus continues, and here it is, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. When you go to make a decision, is your first thought, how much will it cost? Or is your first thought, what does God want me to do? And if your first thought is, what does God want me to do? Is your next thought, how much will it cost? Because God can pay for it. If it's God's will, it's God's bill. If you are walking in God's will, he will never fail to provide everything that you need. But you're either going to be devoted to him and you will despise money. You will make light of money. Money will not matter to you. Or you will be devoted to money and God, you will treat God lightly. That's what Jesus is saying. You cannot serve two masters at the same time. It doesn't work. Now, Jesus, he's a master. He is the master, and he is coming soon. When he returns, are you going to boast to him about all the earthly treasure you laid up for yourself? Or will you be able to show him? that you have heeded his commands, that you have laid up treasure in heaven and not on earth.